So don't worry about it as you start sponsoring. They're not all going to make it. And I'll give you, Scott's two rules of sponsorship. Rule one, if they're ready, you can't do it wrong. If they're not ready, you can't do it right. It ain't up to you. Rule two, don't take credit for the ones that make it. Because if you do, you're going to get the blame for the ones that don't. And some of them are going to prison and some are going to die. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you're all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Boom shakalaka-laka. Boom shakalaka-laka. That was the voice from Mr. Scott L. that you heard at the beginning of this here, episode number 308. And you are going to hear so much more from him in just a moment. The reason I'm chuckling is because <laughs> our uh, our dog, our newish dog now, uh, I think I've said this on a previous episode before, but I've never had a dog in my life, and this is our first dog. But anyway, um, our dog, it's uh, kind of, uh, I think they call him one of these designer dogs or something like that. It's half poodle, half uh Bichon, Bichon Freeze or something like that. I don't even know how to pronounce it. I think they call it a, a Bichapoo. Anyway, um, she was just sitting over there and all of a sudden I started yelling at the microphone and she's like, what in the world is going on? But anyway, um, that, this is episode number 308 with Scott L. But first things first... This here episode is brought to you by Brad and Idaliza and Kate and David and Marie and Michelle. What you may ask, what our dog's name is Maisie. Maisie's probably wondering, hey, John M., what in the heck did Brad and Idaliza and Kate and David and Marie and Michelle do? Well, let me tell you, Maisie. <laughs> Do you know what a website is, Missy? They went to our website, www.soberspeak.com. They clicked on the little yellow donate tab, and they made a contribution. And I'm thinking while I'm saying that word, it's kind of Frenchish, and I guess she's half poodle, so maybe she understands the word contribution. You never can tell. Let's get on with this. All right. Um... I am going to go right into this and do all of the listener feedback at the end of at the end of this episode. Believe me, we have quite a bit of it. Uh, but this here, ladies and gents, is Scott L. 
And we're calling this episode Page 112, Read This Book. And just in case you don't know the reference there, that is from uh, page 112 of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And we'll talk about it as we start going into this episode. But Scott L., hails to us from Nashville, Tennessee, and he has been sober for over 39 years. Um, and, and you know, I meant to say this. Uh, I don't think I said this on the other episode that I, rec- I recorded with Scott L., but before I begin, I want to go ahead and thank uh, Jason F. for getting me in contact with both Scott and Marty C. Uh, this was Scott, excuse me, Jason's original email way back when, and he said, hi, Scott and John. He was uh, uh, addressing both of us. He says, I would like to introduce introduce the two of you. John is the awesome host of a podcast called Sober Speak. It is a great podcast where John interviews an alcoholic who shares their experience, strength, and hope. I look forward to listening to John's guests, and he has introduced me to some wonderful speakers, including Bill C. and Matthew M., who did extended sessions. John, Scott is an incredible speaker who shares the spiritual experience with everyone he touches. He has tons of talks on the interwebs, and I was lucky enough to be a part of a four-day spiritual retreat that Scott led. I came away with an open heart and a renewed enthusiasm for recovery and for God. I'll let the two of you uh, connect, but I look forward to listening to your conversations regard Jason F. So once again, Jason, I really appreciate you getting me in touch with Mr. Scott L. like that very much. So in this episode, uh, we talk about, Scott and I talk about, or mainly Scott talks about, page 112 of the big book. Uh, And as you know, that is the theme of this episode. His home group is in Nashville. And we talk about how his home group in Nashville got its name. Uh, We talk about how his sponsor got the nickname of Rusty. (laughs) And it's not in the usual ways you would think about, like someone with red hair or something like that. I'll let Scott uh, explain that. We talk about sponsorships and Scott's two rules for sponsorship. And you heard that on the beginning of this audio, uh, the beginning audio clip from this episode. We talk about the nicknames Scott has given to others in Alcoholics Anonymous. Scott reads some insightful writings he has um, penned over the last couple of weeks. Talk, uh, uh, he also talks about the term Uh, newcomers ears and how we must listen with newcomers ears when we go into the uh, rooms, even if we're not a newcomer. And we talk about many different pages in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and much more. And ladies and gents, I know you're going to enjoy Scott, but I will have plenty. Oh, listener feedback at the end of this here episode. Enjoy Scott. Okay, everybody. So today we're sitting here with Mr. Scott L. Again, we've had Scott on in the past uh, and we're having him back on for another episode because uh, I really, really enjoyed uh, last time we got together. So Scott, I'm going to have you go ahead and introduce yourself, tell people where you live and give your sobriety date if you so choose, please. Thank you. Uh, My name is Scott Lee. I'm an alcoholic and have several other 
very serious disorders. And I'm a member of the backroom group in Nashville, Tennessee. And um, today is June the 25th. I am three days short of 39 years sober. Wow, that's great. Uh, it's probably going to be after this until we get this released, but that is fantastic. 39 years sober. God bless you, Scott. That's a long time for a guy that only agreed to 28 days. <laughs> that is. That certainly which is, is. Which is really what I'm here to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so that backroom group, why do they call it the backroom group? Well, in the summer of 1985, um, my sponsor then, uh, his name was John Bradford. We called him Rusty. At the end of his drinking, he was drinking mouthwash mixed with Kool-Aid. And he wet his pants so many times his zipper rusted shut. And we nicknamed him Rusty in honor of the zipper. And he liked his nickname. You know, if you get a nickname you like around here, you're a lucky guy. And his doctor told him to quit smoking. And he said, I don't smoke. But I go to these AA meetings. And he said, well, you need to get a, a non-smoking. And as far as we know, in the summer of 85, there were no non-smoking meetings in the state. And we started one in the back room of the old Woodbine Club. We had to move some garbage out of there. And uh, so we started our meeting in the back room. And it was the first non-smoking meeting in the state, I think. In those days, we were smoking anywhere on an airplane. We were smoking in church basements. We were smoking in hospital waiting rooms that were ashtrays. The world was a very different place. Yeah. <laughs> a very different place. I'll tell you something else, too. Yeah. It was in those days customary to put one dollar in the basket. And in those days, that dollar and a little bit of jingle would have bought you two packs of Marlboros. Yeah. Pretty interesting perspective. We don't have a 13th tradition. Yeah. Of putting one dollar in the basket. That that is not a tradition. Right, right. I understand. Yeah. And I don't do that. That's a, kind of an interesting thought. But anyway, that's where yeah. the name came from. So, and I just want to, so Rusty didn't have red hair. His name wasn't Russell. No, no he, had, he had gray hair <laughs> and uh, he was a hoot. He was just as funny <laughs> as he could be. He said, I'll give me a great quotation from him. And actually, page, we talked about doing a page 112 meeting. Yeah. For yeah. those who don't know the first three words on page 112 or read this book. And uh, I had the privilege of leading a number of men's retreats every year. And I was open with this, that our first session is going to be a page 112 meeting. Bring your big book. And uh, what we'd ask you to do is introduce yourself. Give us a page number. Give us a, a, a minute to find it. And then read us a paragraph or less from that page. And then tell us why you read it. You got three minutes. And we skip all over the book like that. It does two things. One is it gives the newcomer real interest in the book. And two, it gives us old timers a chance to show off. So it's a double win. <laughs> but but here's, here's, a, here's, here's a little piece of wisdom from Rusty. Such times that great revulsion has risen up in him. See me, he could not drink if he would. God had restored his sanity. That would be a sane reaction if you have my history with it. But John said this. He said there's two. He said two things about sanity. He said, in the history of planet Earth, no human has ever been put in an insane asylum for being insane. Never, not once. They put us in there for acting insane. Nobody's ever been let out for being sane. They let us out for acting sane. Mm. So on those days, when you're crazy, if you don't act on it, they won't know. <laughs> don't tell them they're not ready. 
pick up the phone, tell one of us we're ready. And we're not all crazy on the same day. <laughs> Wisdom from Rusty. The other thing he said was, he said, I can't keep garbage from showing up in my head. I cannot stop that. But when it gets dirty up there, I can sweep. That is my responsibility. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's some pretty good stuff, huh? Yeah, that's some pretty good stuff. Just right out of the right out of the gate here. Yes. Oh, I have been the victim of great sponsorship. <laughs> um, yeah. That's are there I, any other, just while we're there, are there any other nicknames that you have come across in AA across the years that come to mind for you? Well, yeah, I had a I had a uh, a sponsor, Ice Cream Steve. <laughs> I sponsored Hippie James. Hippie James was a 17-year-old that was born three generations too late. Um, Chainsaw Mike, you need to get him on here. Chainsaw Mike has got a great story. Um, and, and, well, just real quick, Ice Cream Steve uh, yeah. and Chainsaw Mike, where, where did these names well, come from? Um, quite frankly, I gave them those names. <laughs> and I gave Hippie James his, too. And... Um, I'll tell you a great hippie James story. <clears throat> hippie called me one day and he said, uh, he said, there's this outfit that make, they, they make music. Their name is fish, but they spell it kind of funny. And um, they're going to have their last concert. And I said, hippie, it's their first last concert. Trust me. And he said, well, I'm going to go. It's in Vermont. I said, great. So he goes, he comes back. He tells this story at the back room. He says, so I got in a hippie mobile, which is 20 years old. And as you know, that's 80 in car years. <laughs> and I drove 30 hours straight through to Vermont by myself to discover that the car line, the line to go into park is going to be another five hours. I'm going to sleep behind the wheel, which is not a problem in a parked car. The problem is they're passing me. <laughs> so he said, I got out of the hippie, put it in park, get out of the hippie mobile, pop the trunk, pull out the Coleman stove, put it on the trunk, fired it up made coffee and soup and I'm having coffee and soup and I'm sharing coffee and soup with the people in the adjacent vehicles. Because what I realized, if I was going to stay awake physically, I'm going to have to stay active physically. And then he said, if I'm going to stay awake spiritually, I'm going to have to stay active spiritually. Mm -hmm. We listened when hippie James talked. Yeah. And, and yeah, he, was not, he was only shaving twice a week. He was a jewel. <laughs> All right, we're going to go on a little bit more, but I do want to make a comment just real quick before we go on. That is one beautiful bow tie. Is that a special one? Thank you. Well, they all, they're all they all special. I uh, My dad taught me to tie a bow tie by the time I was 12. And uh, two to three years ago, I, uh, I just decided I like them. And so I bought a bunch of them. I wear one every day of my life. And... Um, I, if, if you'll notice, it's not tied perfectly. We learned that from Churchill. Churchill always wore one of his, was always cattywampus. And he said the reason was he didn't want anybody to ask him if it was a clip-on. So if you ask a guy if he's wearing a clip-on bow tie, and it is, you've embarrassed him. If it's not, you've insulted him. It's like asking a woman if she's pregnant. You can't win doing that. So don't be asking. Ask if it's special. It's a good choice. Yeah. It's special because it matches the color of the hair bob that holds my ponytail. Can you see that? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Picks up that blue and yeah. you blue, blue socks. socks. Yeah. So I coordinate 
the hair hair holder with either the tie or the shirt and the socks with either the tie or the shirt. Uh, and if I remember right from our previous conversation, this didn't start till later in life. Am I right about that? A couple of years ago. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I've worn bow ties off and on through the years, not very often, but now I won one. I wear one seven days a week, been doing it for at least two years and I think three. Wow. I just, yeah. And I'm not supposed to go unsupervised to a website that sells bow ties. I'm <laughs> called adult supervision. <laughs> Which is probably the right thing. <clears throat> I, I, I had something else. Go, you got another question from here? Well, no. Uh, yeah, you. I mean, if you have something you want to talk about, I do. You go for it. I do. Um, those of you who read the big book are aware that they go in and they change stuff. Yes. Well, they have added some things to page thirteen. I thought I'd point it out. Now you want to be careful. The ink may still be wet because this was just very recently added. <laughs> Um, about six or eight lines down, it says, I admitted for the first time to myself, I was nothing. Without him, I was lost. I ruthlessly faced my sins and became willing to have my newfound friend. The word friend is capitalized. Mm -hmm. We got an awful lot of words in this book. Czar of the heavens, universal mind, God, as you understand, we got all of these things, but they just added this friend thing. I swear it wasn't there. I would have seen it. It was not here. <laughs> that idea of God as a friend. Mm -hmm. Many of us grew up with a God I wouldn't want to meet in a dark alley. Right. And the idea of God as a great friend is so powerful. The other thing that they added also on page 13, now these are just the recent ones. <clears throat> <laughs> at the bottom, at the bottom, my friend promised when these things were done, now he's referring to Ebby, right. when these things were done. Oh, and by the way, about Ebby, I had the privilege of spending uh, a weekend with his sponsor, a fellow named Cersei Whalian in Texas many yeah. years ago. I don't know if you remember, but I'm down here in Texas. Uh, oh, Cersei's, are you? Uh, Did you know yeah, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I never met him, Yeah, uh, but I hear about him all the time. Yeah. Well, he told me, he said, people are going to tell you that Ebby died drunk, and it isn't true. Right that Ebby would get a few years and she'd leave and he'd drink for two weeks. And that happened a couple of times, but he had a couple of years when he died. But he said the thing Ebby could never get past was that if he'd stayed sober from the gate, he and Bill would have been co-pounders instead of Bill and Bob. Right. And that was so beautiful for me. It made all of them human. Mm. Those are just guys. And that was so powerful for me. Mm. Those are just guys. So anyway, this is Ebby. At the bottom of page 13, which page 13 is the first place I see the steps in the book. They're in narrative form. Mm -hmm. It says, my friend promised when these things were done, I would enter upon a new relationship with my creator. They just recently added the word new. <laughs> and, and I need to call somebody in New York and ask them when they did that. <laughs> and if you had asked me three months ago if I had a relationship with God before I got here, I would have told you no. I didn't. But I would have been wrong. And this is what I've discovered. I had a relationship with him. It was called 911. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> See if you recognize some of these pre AA prayers. Uh, God, please help me pass this test I didn't study for. Right. Please don't let her be pregnant. <laughs> I'm told that one can be prayed in the first person. The ladies have explained that to me. <laughs> <clears throat> please don't let those flashing red and blue lights be for me. 
is another real popular one. Uh, and of course, the main one, the, the big main pre-AA prayer, normally prayed kneeling on the prayer rug. Now, the prayer rug is that half moon of carpet they put around the commode for you to kneel on. Yeah. That's the prayer rug. <laughs> and and I'm in there, and um, <clears throat> I'm a nose puker. And, uh, but we're at the point in the proceedings where there's nothing coming out but noise and an occasional tear. Oh. Right? And I would pray the pre, when I have a, a live group in front of me, I get them to do it with me. I do the first line, they do the second. But it's God, get me out of this, and I'll never do it again. Mm. <laughs> Which is alcoholic for men, as you probably know. <laughs> and I had teeth then. I brushed my teeth to go to bed. And and I would, of course, quit forever. Uh which and I, you know, these newcomers. I swear, quitting forever is not difficult. I've done it over two thousand times. <laughs> it's, it's just not that hard. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure if there's a contest on that. I'm not being like a regional quarterfinalist. Um, so, but the magic here for me isn't to how do we fix me so I never drink again. That's not it. It's how do we change me so I never want to drink again. Mm. And that happened for me somewhere in the step work. And I just don't know where. Mm. I think it was somewhere in step four. I'm just not sure based on the time frame. I know when it was. Last time I wanted one was sometime in December of 84. I'm sober since 28 June 84. I got a sponsor, I think in November. It could have been late October. This has been too long. I just don't know. And he had me immediately. He told me, he said, you're too sick to stay sober on the fellowship of AA. You will need the program also. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what he was talking about. And uh, it was, of course, the 12 steps. You know, best, best, best kept secret in AA is the definition of the program. The way we keep it secret is we read it at almost every meeting. It's on page 59. Here are the steps we took, which is suggested as a program of recovery. And he said, I was too sick to say so by the fellowship. I need the program also. Do you have any sort of memory of that first time you were placed in a position of neutrality, so to speak, where the uh, drink is concerned? Or did it just happen over time and you don't really have a specific I just, day? I just know I woke up one morning. I remember the event where I wanted one in December. And I was somewhere in the step work. And sometime within a week or two after that, I woke up one morning and it occurred to me, I have not wanted a drink uh, or any other mind altering substance for several days. It has simply been off of my radar. And I have not wanted one since then. And I don't expect to. We talked a little bit about um, some before we started here. As you know, <laughs> and I never know where these things are going to go. And it's what I really love about them. We kind of got on and said, what are we going to talk about? We're like, I don't know. We'll figure it out <laughs> as we go along, yeah. which is great. Um, but you said you had uh, recently written some letters, I believe. No, I, um, I've been writing for a long time. I've actually self-published five books. And I'm well into the sixth one. 
and I've written a couple of things over the over the last couple of weeks. I thought you you might might enjoy <clears throat> this one. I'm I'm moving the date to my birthday. It's six twenty eight twenty twenty three, and it's in the form of a memo. It says reference notice of immediate termination. Dear Scott, you're hereby terminated as general manager of your own life. This decision has been made based on your abysmal performance. The new, <laughs> new general manager, universally known as the God of Love, is already in place and doing a splendid job. You're still wanted here, but in a new role. You are now assigned as an apprentice messenger in the mailroom. Your job is to try to carry spiritual messages as directed by the new GM. Having tried to carry a message, whether it appeared to you to have been successfully delivered or not, you will report back to the general manager for a review of your performance and to receive a new assignment. While all of the efforts you have made in the past to run your life are appreciated, your results clearly indicate you are unsuited for any job in management. There'll be no reason for you to reply ever, to reapply ever. Thank you again, but no thanks. And I signed it. <laughs> and you just wrote that over the last couple of weeks, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, I've, it's not the first time I've done it, but I lost the last one. And uh, and I thought, I, I need to do that again. Because based on my performance, I need to be fired. <laughs> right. I hear you, Scott. That's and that. so you mentioned you had published, self-published some books. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I mean, if people wanted to find those, is there some way to find them or? Uh, probably the easy way would be to email me. Can you publish my email address? I tell you what, this is what I usually do with the folks is I just have them send something to me, John, J-O-H-N, yeah. at soberspeak.com, and then I forward that right over to you. How's yeah, that sound? I'll, I'll be happy to. Yeah. yeah, if anybody wants to reach out to Scott regarding uh, some uh, sort of self-publication, just uh, reach out to me. Here's, uh, here's another one. A good friend and I were discussing the amazing things which keep happening in our lives, and he said, we're in God's little theater of miracles. I've been thinking about that, and I've decided he's right. I got my ticket to this incredible theater by taking the actions prescribed in the 12 steps. That got me standing room behind the last row, just inside the door. The seats are for those who have assisted others in taking the 12 steps. The front row is reserved only for those who are going out of their way to tell others about the fabulous shows constantly occurring and encouraging them to get a ticket. Well written. So what inspired that? And, and I know some, I, somebody, somebody just said to me one time, we're in God's little theater of miracles. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah. And so I sat and cooked it a little bit, prayed about it. And that's what I got. Oh, Isn't that fun? Yeah. yeah, that is fun. I love it. So when you, when you also think about read this book, once again, page 112. Yeah. What else comes to mind for you in the book that have, has been either new or things that really stand out to you that uh, uh, you have discovered over the years? I, I think a terribly important piece for, uh, for new people um, is I'm going to be on page uh, 159 uh, when it's time for them to start sponsoring. Mm-hmm. Um we're going we're gonna to read a single sentence off of 159. It's going to talk about three individuals. I'm tell you who they are. It's Dr. Bob, Bill Dodson, who I'm sure you know is AA number three, mm-hmm. and Ernie Galbraith, AA number four. Last paragraph, first sentence. A year and six months later, these three had succeeded with, six, with seven more. Those three guys 
with access to a hospital full of drunks in a year and a half. All they succeeded was seven. Hmm. So don't worry about it as you start sponsoring. They're not all going to make it. Right. And I'll give you, Scott's two rules of sponsorship. Rule one, if they're ready, you can't do it wrong. If they're not ready, you can't do it right. It ain't up to you. Rule two, don't take credit for the ones that make it. Because if you do, you're going to get the blame for the ones that don't. And some of them are going to prison and some are going to die. Mm. Yeah. And my job as a sponsor, according to page 96, speaking, speaking of things, uh, we've been talking for a couple of pages about a 12-step call. Somebody thought they might have had a little problem drinking. A couple of us showed up. We talked about a drink and he talked about his. We left him a book, middle paragraph, 96. Suppose you're now making your second visit to a man. So that was the first. And now we're going to describe for me, based on this text, someone who's sponsorable. He has read this volume, says he's prepared to go through with the 12 steps of the program of recovery. There's the definition of the program again. Mm-hmm. So someone who's sponsorable has read this book or he's tried. He understands the 12 steps are the program and he's prepared to go through with them. That's a pretty solid qualifier. Right. I also like to note that uh, I had some experiences of, as I try to read something, as my eyes move across the page, my mind moves across the universe. If I read out loud, I trap my mind in the moment. Mm. Advice on how to go through the 12 steps. There's sponsorship in two sentences. Bang. Mm. There it is. It also talks at the top of that page and at the top of the preceding page about dropping someone. And I think it's one of the most critically important things we do. I've had the privilege of doing a number of workshops around with several really good people. And one of the questions we usually get is, how many, how many people do you sponsor? And we, I used to give the smart aleck answer about half. And it occurred to me, that is a horrible answer. That is a terrible answer. And I can't let somebody drift away. And this is the, the, what I'm about to share with you is a, is a gift from uh, from sponsor number three. And uh, I called him one day, rah, 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 this guy I'm sponsoring. What should I do? And he said, drop him. I said, I'm serious. He said, I'm serious. I said, I don't get it. He said, I'd rather have you on the golf course than play, and sponsoring this guy. It'd be better for your spiritual program. Well, he's never heard me play golf. Okay. So, <laughs> and, yeah, you got that. So, <laughs> anyway. I said, I just don't get it. And he said, what do you ask him to do that he's not doing? I said, well, let's see. Call me every day. Go to a meeting every day. Call this parole officer. Look for a job and use the directions in the book to help close his days and start his four-step. How much of that's he doing? He's not doing any of it. <laughs> You're not his sponsor. He is. You're his fire chief. And when his tail feathers are ablaze, he calls you and siphons off some of your serenity, puts out his fire, goes right back to doing it his way. Could you stay sober on the program he's working? I don't think so. Can he? I don't think so. You're probably right. And when he drinks again, the price could be very high. It could be very high. And I want you to be able to sleep knowing you told him the truth. How do you feel when you work with him? I said, I feel like they pulled the corks out of my heels and the blood ran out. <laughs> he said, how do you feel when you work with Bill K? I said, man, he lights me up like Chinese New Year's. Really? What are you asking Bill to do that he's not doing? Oh, he's doing it all. He said, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He said you can tell almost all the time whether sponsorship is working, whichever one you are, by how you feel when you hang up the phone. Not every time, but it should run in the high 90s. You should have gotten a spiritual lift, an energy boost. Something good should have happened for you. Most, not all, most of the time. 
And if it's not, it's not working. And if it's not working for one, it's not working for either one. There are no one-way streets in the kingdom. If it's not working for one, it's not working for either one. Uh And he said, what you need to do is to go to him with a heavy heart and say, and I did this. And I went to him and I said, listen, I can't continue to co-sign a lie. I'm not your sponsor because you're not allowing me to perform the function. And you're not an AA because you haven't done the 12 steps. And I'm saying this hopefully for you, but definitely for me so that I can sleep. Because I don't think what you're doing is going to work. I hope it does. But boy, if it doesn't, the price could be very high. And what I'm hoping he's going to say is, no, please don't drop me. I'll do anything. Say, great, great, super. I'm glad to hear it. The definition of anything hasn't changed, but I'll be glad to give it to you again. (laughs) This is what I expect. This is what you can expect. This is how we're going to go. And I'll do that with him two or three times. And then when I'm finally convinced, I'll drop him. I must honor his choice. I believe my first job as a sponsor is to love them. I'm told that God is love. When I give love, I give God, and it is the highest gift. My second job is to love him through these 12 steps at a pace that makes sense to me based on what I know about his life. He's 65 years old. He's single. He's retired. I got a program for him. He's 25 years old. Got a wife and four kids working two and a half jobs. Got a whole different program for him. Okay, (laughs) And it's all negotiable on the front end. My experience is I get I get reasons on the front end. I get excuses on the back end. Call and tell me why you can't do what we agreed to. Don't call and tell me why you didn't. Hmm. Oh, Scott, there's some gold there. All right, let's pick out another page. All right. Um. Yeah. Let's see here. Well, <clears throat> one sixty four. I don't know whether I talked about this last time. Kind of an interesting perspective. There are actually two fellowships referred to in the book. Fellowship of AA that you're in when you say you're in it. And there's another fellowship mentioned in a couple of places. Um, I think it's mentioned first on Ah, maybe on page 84 in the reading on step 10. And page 84 says we've entered the world of the spirit, capital S. Entered the world of the spirit. On page 164, it says abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Fellowship of AA you're in. When you say you're an alcoholic, you're an AA, you're in. And that's it. Nobody can say you're not. Fellowship of the spirit has different entrance requirements. Look a lot to me like the steps in narrative form. My experience through the years has been, I've seen a number of members of the fellowship of AA drink again. I have never seen a member of the Fellowship of the Spirit drink again. Hmm. I've only seen two people I know for absolute certain work these steps drink again. One of them married his new higher power, and she did not like the time he spent with us. <laughs> He's back now carrying a 13-year chip. And the other one is a uh, hotel manager. He started running a dude ranch, 40 miles from the nearest meeting, quit going. Two years later, he drank for two weeks. Today, he's carrying a 20-year chip. What I like to say is, they allowed their membership and the fellowship of the spirit to lapse. And when that membership lapsed, they relapsed. When they re-upped their membership of the, and the fellowship of the spirit, they got healthy again. They're doing just fine. So when you think about that phrase, like in step 10, where it talks about we have entered the world of the spirit, and I've mm-hmm. seen that as a you know, a, a, a theme for conferences and stuff like that. I can remember when I first saw that thinking, 
oh, this is strange, right? And when you think about entering the world of the spirit, not to get way out there, but what does that mean to you? Well, it's, it's kind of like that thing about the little theater of miracles. I've entered, but there's a lot more to do. That there's, I've got my hands together like I was praying. Mm-hmm. There was a moment this morning when I was asleep. I'm going to move them an inch apart. And then, then I was awake. And then when I finished a quick trip to the bathroom and washed my face, I was more awake. When I finished my first set of prayers, I was more awake. When I stepped out of the shower, I was more awake. When I finished my first cup of coffee, I was more awake. I'm moving my hands further apart each time I say that. Spiritual awakening, I believe, is of that nature. That's been my experience with it. And there's always another awakening. I can't wait to read you this other thing. And there's always, there's always another awakening. There's always another one. There's always another lesson. I'm not going to get it all. But it's possible to go back to sleep spiritually. Yeah, I need to get some balance in my life. I'm going to cut back on my meetings. And uh, somebody else can cover that jail. I've been doing it long enough. And uh, everybody cheats on their taxes. And I don't want to bother my sponsor with this. And I can go back to sleep spiritually. So I can enter the world of the spirit, but I need, like Hippie James said, I need to stay active spiritually. And that means continuing to grow. This young fellow I sponsor sober, just got his three-year chip, and he's every sponsor's favorite problem. I haven't to hold him back. He's doing too much. He's the GSR, and he's <laughs> coordinating two jails and the treatment center, and I'm trying to back him back, and he's just hard man to hold down. And he called me the other day, and he said, what do you talk about? I know what you talk around me. What do you talk about when you get around guys with 20, 30, 40 years? What do you guys talk about? I said, we talk about two things. One, how can we best carry this message to somebody else? And two, how can we keep newcomer ears? I need to remain trainable. I need newcomer ears and I need them badly. I do not need to think I got this thing by the tail because I'm going to tell you a secret. That tail's covered with take KY jelly. You get it by the tail, you ain't keeping it. <laughs> <laughs> and have you, uh, I, I've come across this a couple of times lately and I've never really gotten into it too much, but that set aside prayer, have yeah. you had much experience with that? Yeah, I like to use it. I, I think that's good stuff. That, that's Yeah, that's exactly what I was just talking about about stepping away from the idea of thinking I'm, that I know it because I don't learn anything when I know it. Right. I, I How can we keep that? I've not, I've not heard that term before. I don't think newcomer ears. I really like that. And uh, we all need to keep, uh, uh, keep a pair of those newcomer ears on. And that's a great way to phrase it. I got another page. Okay. I actually, I got two of them. Okay. Uh, on 564, Toward, toward the end of the long form of Tradition 6. While an A group may cooperate with anyone, such cooperation not never go so far as affiliation or endorsement, actual or implied. Actual or implied. That means I can't use anybody else's literature in an AA meeting, because the minute I do, I have implied that we endorse them. And I can't do that. As good as some of these daily reading books are, I got to leave them outside. Got to leave them outside. Yeah, I get it. Uh, And um, rarely does it happen nowadays in the meetings that I attend. But for the most part, there, there, there was one particular time I remember 
and somebody brought in an article from the newspaper or for a, from an internet site. Yeah. And it talked about the people who are famous alcoholics. And I said, <laughs> I remember like piping up and, you know, cause a little bit of a disruption or something yeah. like that. But that, you know, I don't, that wasn't even in gray area from my perspective. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's doubly out of bounds. <laughs> yeah. Right. The other one I was going to talk about is bottom 565 says 12. And finally, we have Alcoholics Anonymous believe that the principle of anonymity has an immense spiritual significance. Mind us that we're to place principles of four personalities actually to practice this genuine humility. This to the end that our great blessings may never spoil us. We shall forever live in thankful contemplation of him who presides over us all. My sponsor said, this is 38 years ago. He said, let me give you a practical definition of anonymity. Is doing something good for somebody else and not getting caught. That's what anonymity is. Chuck Chamberlain said doing good for fun and for free. And my experience has been that if I can do something good for somebody else and nobody else knows about it, God gets the credit. This good thing happens. Somebody says, well, thank God, right? God gets the credit and I get a gift. And the gift is a, a piece of sunshine about the size of a clown nose. That's right. You got that clown nose. I forgot about that. Yeah, the clown nose will lodge itself in my chest. (laughs) And I can think about what I've done any time of the day or night, and it will glow and send light through my whole body. But if I tell, the the clown nose of light gets out with the words. And so anonymity is doing good and not letting anyone know. And for those of you who didn't hear Scott's last episode, he has a clown nose that he, he just pulled it out of his pocket uh, and he kind of spreads sunshine with it. Is that a way to put it, Scott? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I, I carry the clown nose all the time. And and when, when the traffic comes to a stop on the interstate, instead of fuming, I put on the clown nose and I drop my window. I'm also carrying those little jars of bubbles and I start blowing bubbles out the window to get the other driver's attention. <laughs> and then they see the clown nose, the bubbles draws their attention. They see the clown nose, they start laughing. Laugh is contagious. <laughs> and they start laughing, I start laughing. And so if, uh, we're still stuck in traffic, but I've turned it into a party. <laughs> so if you're ever uh, in Nashville and you're driving down the streets of Nashville and you see somebody with a bow tie and a ponytail and a clown nose blowing bubbles, you will know that's most likely Scott. It could be. It could be. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm that kind of guy. I am that kind of guy. Did you have another page you wanted to talk about? Yeah, 84. Yeah. Love and tolerance of others is our code. Love. I get that. Tolerance. I have my own definition. Tolerance is a premeditated loving action I take towards someone I don't think deserves it. <laughs> That's what tolerance is. <laughs> and there was a guy, I'm telling you a story, there was a guy in my home group, and I'm going to refer to him as Edward, which is the right thing. It's what he said his name was. <laughs> this guy, this guy bugged me. I didn't like anything he did. I, I, I didn't like the way he drank his coffee. Everything he did just rawr. And I was sitting there in a meeting one time, hating Edward. He was chairing the meeting. 
And I heard my sponsor's voice in the back of my head saying, if you spot it, you got it. And what Edward was doing is he was moderating the meeting. After everybody talked, he would comment on their comment. And I thought, oh, my God, I do that. (laughs) Not anymore. Not anymore. So so the next time Edward did something that rubbed my fur the wrong way, I searched myself and found it again. And Edward became one of my greatest teachers. He had all my characteristics. He had them much worse than I have them. I must be honest with you. He had them far worse than I did. But I learned so much from Edward. And I think maybe if if I'm having to tolerate somebody, I need to take a hard look. Maybe there's a lesson there for me. Does uh, Edward, have you had this conversation with him? I haven't seen him in 30 years. I have no idea what happened to him. <laughs> I have no idea what happened to him. He he did the third step prayer and thought he was done. And he kept, <laughs> kept telling us all about his spiritual awakening and his spirit. I just, I learned so much from Edward. <laughs> it reminds me, a friend of mine says, everybody brightens up a room. Some by walking into it, some by walking out. <laughs> <laughs> Try to be the person that brightens it up walking I'm, into it. I'm, right? hoping, I'm hoping to be the walking in guy. <laughs> and I am very much hoping to be the walking in guy, but uh, you wouldn't want to bet much on it. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap us up. This has been fantastic, Scott. As always, uh, uh, good you uh, can, I, can I have permission to read you one more thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You go right ahead. Hold on for a minute. I'm not, I've only got time for one. It's not the one I want to do. Uh, is this another writing that you did, you mean? Yeah, this one is about yeah. this one's about a page and a half. Well, no, it's on one page. Okay. <clears throat> a close friend of mine from Montreal and I were having a discussion this morning when he made a startling statement. Maybe love is the fifth dimension. Einstein said the fourth dimension was time. Maybe the fifth really is love, because when I am immersed in love, giving or receiving, the other dimensions cease to have any significance at all, especially time. One of my favorite authors suggested his own idea of a fourth dimension. He said it was made up of happiness, peace, and usefulness. Understand happiness. Aristotle said everyone wants to be happy, and I agree. I want happiness for myself. I also want peace for myself. I want to be calm and at ease. Initially, I was confused as to why usefulness was on the list. Usefulness appeared to me to be for other folks and not for me. My first thought is frequently incorrect. There is no direct route into happiness and peace. There's nothing out there I can achieve, acquire, or attain that will bring me happiness. Getting what I think I want only gives me a hunger for more, better, and different. Happiness and peace are side effects of being of service to others, which equals usefulness. Being useful to others is really for me, too. I believe there is a need in every person that drives them to do something that matters. Being useful fills that need every time. He went on to suggest that all colors are made up of three primary colors, red, yellow, and blue. Maybe all love is made up of three primary colors, happiness, peace, and usefulness. And God uses those primary colors to paint his works of art. And all other beautiful colors are born of those three. He used the following example. Suppose we decide to meet on a particular street corner. Physical dimensions of height, width, and depth are defined by the street corner, and we will agree on a time which covers the fourth dimension. Then, in the fifth dimension, at least one of us will need to show up immersed in love. 
it is infinitely better if we both arrive wrapped in love, but one is enough. And I will always be responsible for being that one. Serving the God of love is not a part-time job. That was the title, by the way, of your first episode, Serving the God of Love is Not a Part-Time Job. And I think that's beautiful. And I love that you uh, are – how old are you, Scott? Uh, I'll, be, I'll be 39 years sober and 80 years old on June 28th, a couple of days from now. So 80 years old and you're still being creative putting good things out into the world. By the way, we have a Facebook group where you can post that. So are you a Facebook kind of guy? Uh, yeah, I don't get on there very often. I'm going to post that one on my birthday. Okay, gotcha. Right. Uh, it, we have, it's called a, a, a secret Facebook group. It's just people who come in there, they post all kinds of things like that. And that'd be perfect for there as well. Uh, and I could tell you more about that when we okay. stop recording if you like. But that's beautiful, Scott. Thanks for putting that out into the world. And I know everyone will look forward to uh, enjoying that when it comes out. Yeah, John, thanks a lot for letting me play. I had a great time with you today. Yeah, for letting me play. <laughs> me, me too. Well, All my, right. My definition of fun has changed a little bit in the last 39 years. <laughs> Um, all right. And I always, I was closing out just so you know, you've already read this, but I was closing out with page 164 of the big book. Sure. It says, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. I'm sure we'll talk again soon, Scott. God bless you. Thank you so much again. Let's talk again soon. God bless you and keep you. Thanks a lot for letting me. Mr. Scott L., as always, we appreciate your time and the sharing of your experience strength and hope which you have must uh, which you have much of excuse me and ladies and gentlemen out there listening remember now we do not want you sharing your toothbrush or your gossip but we would love for you to share this episode with another with another friend with a friend or family member Keep in mind, it may be just what they need today. So go ahead and pause that device. Click that little share button and get, get it on over to them. Thank you so much again, Mr. Scott L. Now on for a little bit of a listener feedback. Why did I do that? Anyway, James S. writes in. Oh, I love this one. James said, uh, Dear John, I hope this email finds you in good health and in high spirits. My name is James S. And until recently, I was an inmate in the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. I am writing to express my deepest gratitude and appreciation for the tremendous support and inspiration I found through your podcast, Sober Speak. During my time incarcerated, your podcast became a lifeline for me providing a beacon of hope and a source of strength through the challenging journey of maintaining sobriety. 
The story shared by the speakers resonated deeply with me, serving as a constant reminder of the transformative power of recovery and the possibility of a brighter future. The genuine vulnerability and authenticity displayed in each episode helped me to feel connected and understood even within the confines of a prison wall. I cannot thank you enough for your dedication and commitment you have shown in creating such a valuable resource for individuals like myself who are on the path of sobriety. The impact Sober Speak has had on my life is immeasurable, and I am forever grateful for your unwavering support. Once again, thank you for your remarkable contribution to the recovery community. With warmest regards, James S. of Grapevine, Texas. James, God bless you, my friend. Thank you, um, Made my day. Thank you so much for writing in. We never know exactly where this thing is landing when we record some episodes and put them out there. Um, but I'm so, so grateful that uh, you wrote in uh, and it's letters just like that that keep me going for sure. God bless you, my friend. Janet writes in and she says, hello, John. I guess this is a Dear John letter of a different sort, laugh out loud. My name is Janet A., and I live in a small town off Lake Huron. Huron. How do you pronounce it? H-U-R-O-N. I, I, I think it's Huron. Uh, in Ontario, Canada. My home group is the Burvey, B-E-R-V-I-E, New Hope group and we are small but mighty i have been listening to sober speak for a few months now and thoroughly enjoy it while i walk or while i walk to the lake or drive in the country well that sounds cool she says i just finished episode 281 with don l called step one of alcoholics anonymous and i was moved to write you. There are AA talks that resonate that resonate with me, and this was one of those. The following are what had a big impact. And just in case you didn't catch that and you want to go back and listen to this one, it's episode number 281 with Don L called Step One of Alcoholics Anonymous. Anyway, she says this is what impacted her. When we when he spoke of quote feeling like you are not damaging anyone but yourself and the need for recovery as a family. His comments on surrendering to King alcohol. So he quote, took steps to protect himself and the world around him from him. Describing the power of the fellowship, fellowship, such as two members coming to speak to him because quote, if you are waiting for me to come to you, bring a lunch. <laughs> but mostly why he would drink, even though he knew it would cost him the love of uh, and the the love of the last family member who would have anything to do with him and most likely cost him his life. But it was a small price to pay. Uh, if it would make the madness of his head, if it would make the madness in his head stop for just a couple hours. Wow. She said that line uh, was, was me when I hit bottom. 
That's why when I drank at the end to stop the madness in my head was just for a couple of hours. This line hit me so hard that I burst into tears and went, that's it. That's exactly it. Now I am sober for two years and 11 months. Yep, I got sober during the pandemic. I don't recommend it. I only give it one star, laugh out loud. <laughs> now I use the tools from AA to keep the madness in my head, uh, to keep the madness in my head stop for those few hours rather than just picking up a drink. Anyway, that's my two cents, John. I wonder what a two cents is in American dollars. <laughs> Big smiley face, Janet A. Of the Burvey New Hope Group in Ontario, Canada. P.S. I always say with you, take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Yep, that's me walking down the street and talking to myself, not not drunk this time, laugh out loud. Oh, that's very cool, Janet A. I appreciate you writing in. A Dennis M. DMs on the Insta, and he, and he says, Hi, John M. I'm a frequent listener to the podcast. I love it so much. I've tried others, but Sober Speak is the one for me. Thanks for what you do. Thank you, Dennis. Danny writes in and he says, oh, and the, uh, the, uh, the subject line was David G. And he said, uh, John, would it be possible for me to get the email address for David G? I was wondering if he could come speak at our Zoom meeting. You, John, have spoken at ours before. Uh, will way will way meeting in Salt Lake, Danny S. Well, and as you know, Danny, I got you in touch with uh, David G. By the way, if there's any of you out there who uh, hear these speakers and you want them to come speak either at a conference or in a Zoom meeting or whatever, feel free to reach out to me at John, J-O-H-N, at SoberSpeak.com. I'm happy to uh, get you in touch with them. Uh, most of them are receptive and will uh, speak. Isaac writes in and he says, Hi, John. I live in El Paso, Texas, and I have recently started going to Al-Anon meetings because I was going even further insane for my years of trying to control a once partner, now friends drinking. Our location has us very far from other big cities, and so the recovery community, I can feel a little... Uh, uh, Oh, so the recovery community can feel a little uh, of its own out here. And the demographics can give recovery options here a very Catholic slash Christian flavor, which makes it, makes it, makes it difficult for uh, those of us in the LGBTQ plus community. While I have a long-standing substance and mental health issues, I never made AA part of my sobriety. And while my friend has decades of experience in AA, I hadn't ever engaged with meeting uh, with meetings or the steps until now. My autism complicates getting help. And there's fear in admitting your damage, but homophobia uh, makes it hard to feel safe being vulnerable with strangers. So in desperation, I started going to Al-Anon meetings and craving more uh, then once a week, I found the podcast, searched for all the episodes with Alan on and queued them up. I have had seven years so far 
to learn the hard way uh, what alcohol does to a person. And I have also read so much, but I keep going to meetings and I have had relief in the loneliness of dealing with the insanity of my friends drinking and some of the despair of watching him kill himself. I've always used substances to escape. So I saw, uh, and I continue to see us as similar. Hopefully that's not a function of my own damage or atypical brain. I'm trying to figure out all of it. Uh, I'm trying to figure out if it's a character defect. This will be my fourth Al-Anon meeting so far. I want to know more about the 12 steps for myself as part of the recovery and history to relate more to my friend. And though hopefully it doesn't become a way for me to police his alcoholism. So far, the people at the meeting have been kind and I have, and I found that one meeting that, uh, that I can think uh, of a regular meeting for me and would, and would explore going through the steps with a sponsor. As for the speakers that resonated with me, I favorited most of the episodes I listened to, so it's been a blur of realization and crying, but Spencer T., right, from The Recovery Show resonates, and especially 80, uh, episode 84 with his partner, uh, and <laughs> hey, you want to say hi? Oh, come on. Come in here. I was trying to get my son to say hi. He just came by uh, with his partner. And, and, and episodes number 299 and 300 with Lori G. I need to re-listen to everything again. Thank you so much for your hard work, uh, Isaac E. Well, thank you, Isaac. I appreciate you writing in. I'm sorry. I was kind of stumbling through that when I was uh, distracted by things going on around me. I'll put it that way. <laughs> Family stuff. Uh, Michael writes in and uh, his, his, the subject line for him was David G episode number 146. He says, John, hope you're doing well. Thank you for your service. I'm listening to David G episode 146. And he talks about the five alive that he speaks about. You're, uh, can you get me in touch with him? And, uh, he says your other friend is St. Augustine JD being the other one. Yeah, I remember JD and yourself as well. Mr. Michael, appreciate you writing in. And so I got him in touch with David and David wrote back and he said, the, this is what is the five alive. I need to just like, I don't know, uh, publish this on, uh, the website or something like that. Cause I have a lot of people that write in about it, but these are the five alive and you can go back and listen to episode number 146 with David G. If you want it, it says number one is get on my knees in the morning and ask God to keep me sober. Number two, read AA literature. Number three, go to an AA meeting. Uh, number four, talk to another alcoholic. And number five, thank God for my sobriety when I go to bed every day, uh, David G. And then uh, David G said, uh, uh, no problem. This is what my sponsor told me. These were my first few simple rules referred to in the doctor's opinion. Don't know how he got them, but I'm glad he got them. And I hope to see you around. Thanks, David G. Uh, he was writing back to Michael at that point. Thank you, David G. Dan writes in, Dan says, Hi, John, thanks for the admission to the super sober ultra secret <laughs> Facebook thing. 
he he threw a ultra in there. I kind of like that. The the super speak the super <laughs> the super speak. Uh, oh gosh, the sober speak secret group that is ultra secret. Anyway, I'll go on. Dan writes in and he says, "Hi John, thanks for admission to the group. Group, I came across your." podcast last year and by the way if you're not in that group and you want to be just go to the facebook application and search up the oh gosh sober speak secret group and ask for admission and we'll get you on in there anyway he says i came across your podcast last year and have been working my way through your extensive list and enjoying every bit of it. I feel as if I know you, you come across very personable and we share a similar quirky sense of humor. So I have been told, he says, so me, I'm just another bozo on the bus. I'm originally from Ontario, Canada. I got sober in August of 87 at 21 years old. And like many of us, I did not know what AA was all about. I could hardly spell it. (laughs) That's funny. He says, thanks to your program and so many wonderful folks in the fellowship, I have not needed to take a drink since my first meeting. We moved to Oklahoma in 1996. And in case you notice uh, a bit of an accent there, y'all, then moved to Michigan where we still live. I'm still pretty active in the program. I consider myself a newcomer, maybe with just a bit of practice, still learning and changing as I fully believe that we must or we become stagnant and I don't want that. I was going to wait until I got through all y'all's podcast before I sent you a note, but I have gotten near to number two hundred. This number two hundred episode, the the two hundred episode, the episode number two hundred, and you mentioned the super secret Facebook group. It is now searchable, so I did. I may have run into you a few years ago. I was in Arlington, Texas for a month. And I remember the folks talking about this guy doing some podcast thing. I'm thinking that was you. Great folks down there. Anywho, I have taken up enough of your time for now, and I look forward to chatting with you further at some point. Keep up the good work. I fully believe in what you're doing, man. Uh, I am so honored and pleased to be a tiny part of such a great thing. Regardless of the whole COVID thing, you are doing such a great service in helping folks connect and get some exposure to our life-saving fellowship. Bravo, Dan. Well, bravo right back at you, Dan. I appreciate that. And when you're here in the area sometime, uh, come by the Frisco group and see us. We'd love to uh, see you eyeball to eyeball. Kylie writes in and Kylie says, Hi, John. My name is Kylie. I live in Copperas Cove, Texas. I have listened to uh, just about all the female podcast stories. There have been many that I resonate with. I will be two months over soon. I have an amazing sponsor and an amazing home group. I door dash for extra money. And so I'm always listening to Sober Speak. Thank you for so much for your podcast. It's been a huge part of my recovery. Kylie 
S. So, Kylie, I hope that you are listening to this while you're door dashing, and thank you so much for listening. Uh, Luis writes in, and he says, Hi, John. Uh, uh, I live in Mexico City. I'm getting to my fourth month of recovery, and it's been a roller coaster. At least I'm feeling now, but, oh, this this condition is tougher than I ever thought it would be. I found your awesome podcast on on Apple Podcasts. I've only heard about five to six episodes, but Chris S., number 294, resonated quite deeply with me. Thank you for your incredible service. You guys give me hope. Well, you give us hope as well, Mr. Luis. Thank you for writing in, and thank you for writing in from Mexico City. Uh, So good to hear from you. I wonder if in Mexico City they appreciate my... Spanish abilities. And by the way, your English is much, much better than my Spanish there, Mr. Luis. Thank you for putting up with me. Uh, thanks for writing in. Uh, and then finally, N. Dean, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, DMs on the Instagram. She said, I just celebrated nine years sober this week. I played the same three CDs the old timers gave me in 2017 for a few years. I had no idea AA was so big and had a variety of speakers. Listening to the speakers helps me. Thank you for your service work. Yes, Nadine, that there are a lot of speakers out there. I'm glad you found us and I'm glad you listened to us. All right, everybody. That is Uno Mas, uh, uh, Uno Mas Semana in the books. Uh, I take this one week at a time. I hope to be back next week. Um, what do I always say? Keep coming back. It works if you work it. And may God bless you and keep you until then. God bless you.